Well, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to the December episode of The Shepherd's Voice. Uh, we just said, can't believe it's already December, but uh, now here is the host of the program, Bishop O'Connell. Welcome, Bishop. Greetings and happy St. Nicholas Day. That's right. It is St. Nicholas Day. Somebody it's... said to me, uh, one of the priests said, did you leave your shoes out? For St. Nicholas. I said, no, I left my leg out. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling that story. <laughs> I, was, yeah, right. I was telling that story yesterday in my program. We went with my kids. We used to do that. They put their shoes out last night. And St. Nicholas, until until like my son started wearing size 11 or 12 <laughs> shoes, then that was the end of that. Yeah, <laughs> we had to buy bags of candy for I those shoes. bankrupt you, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, Feast of St. Nicholas, a wonderful day. Beautiful day, December. It's great to be in the season of Advent and great to be anticipating a great feast of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everybody is... More cheerful for yeah. some reason mm-hmm. at this time of year, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we know the reason, the reason for the season. That's right. The, That's the, right. The Lord has come and uh, influences people at this time. You just wish it could carry on for the rest of the year, you know? True. That's so true. Well, guess what? I just came back from Rome. Ah, Rome. We had, uh, <laughs> you know, I know it's close to your heart. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we visited a few of those restaurants. Did you? <laughs> The, the Borgo Pio is one yeah, of my favorite yes. streets. Oh, yes, yeah, some yeah. great places mm-hmm. there. But uh, as you know, the bishops are required by canon law to uh, visit the Holy See. Uh, canon law says every five years, but it doesn't always practically work out to that. The, our last visit was 2011, my first ad limina visit uh, to Rome, and um, so it's been a, been a while. Of course, we have a, a different pope than we had in those days. So we traveled. This idea of the ad limina visit, it's uh, called the ad limina apostolorum, uh, to the threshold of the apostles, really to the tombs of the apostles, the holy places in Rome. And we went, myself, uh, my vicar general, Monsignor Devazio, the pastor of Our Lady Sorrows, St. Anthony's Parish over in Hamilton, and my Master Ceremonies, Father Carlo Callison, who is the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Princeton. We, uh, the three amigos, I called us, mm-hmm. <laughs> we went over and uh, had a really very, very good visit. You know, it's funny, the, uh, the, the country is divided up into regions. The Bishop's Conference is right. divided up into regions, and we're Region 3. Uh, the two weeks prior to our arrival there, Regions 1, which is kind of New England, and then Region 2, which is the New York area, went, the bishops went. It was pouring rain every day, torrential rain. We got there, and the forecast was rain. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful week. (laughs) (laughs) Sun was out. You could uh, travel about and walk about. You know, it's a little hard for me. The cobblestone. The cobblestone's (laughs) a little little tough on the the leg. A number of the streets that are surrounding... Uh, Vatican City or in, in Vatican City and near St. Peter's are closed off. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, transportation was a little bit difficult. Right. There'd be a, a Concitazione. That's, that's closed, closed yes, since okay. the Jubilee. And, and uh, I had to walk a lot more than I walk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was hard. Yeah, you, you yeah, know, it was yeah. hard to, to do it. But we did it. And this idea of an ad limina visit is very old. It mm-hmm. goes back to... 1595 to Pope Sixtus V, who encouraged this kind of visit, this kind of reporting, and Pius X in 1909, uh, and more formally in 1911, decreed that bishops are to come 
to Rome to make this visit every five years, and that's enshrined in the current code of canon law, mm-hmm. which makes the requirement. Prior to the visit, the bishop uh, sends to Rome, usually six months before the visit, what's called a quinquennial report, an every five-year mm-hmm. report. And again, it's more than five years for us. I produced the last one mm-hmm. in uh, prior to 2011's visit. And this one, this past year, and I'll tell you, it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. Because what you're expected to do, actually, you get a questionnaire from the Congregation for Bishops. Oh, wow, okay. And it's a very detailed questionnaire looking for statistics, information, mm-hmm. narratives about the state of your diocese. Right. It obliges diocesan residential bishops not the auxiliary bishops or mm-hmm. bishops emeritus, but the diocesan bishop uh, in each residential area to produce this report. Of course, you need help to do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the funny thing is I forgot uh, how I did the last one. Mm. So I started working on this myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to burden anybody else in the chancery, and I'm writing away this. Honestly, it was harder to do this than it was to do my doctoral dissertation. <laughs> I just don't know why it was so difficult. Yeah. One of the most difficult things I've had to to write since I've been bishop. Anyway, writing this thing, and then at some point, someone in the chantry said, why are you doing that yourself? We always did this before for the bishop. You should be doling out the questions and, yeah. and get our help. Because mm-hmm. I had to consult them anyway because the information, I didn't know it. Right. So toward the end of the process, I handed out the report, what I had done and what was left to do. And got a lot of help from the uh, curia, from the heads of the offices in our chancery, put it together, sent it over to Rome. And then what happens once the report goes there, and I, I hope this is interesting to the listeners, probably not something they know a lot about. Well, to find out what, you know, they hear the, the, that you went and they hear that you met with the Holy Father, what, what is this all about? What it wasn't it a vacation, yeah. believe me. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. So it's I, good I, they I know. Which is a good place to go for vacation, <laughs> but this was not a vacation. Yeah. So what they do is they split the... Uh, you're supposed to put the report in a binder so that it can be taken apart, and then they ship it off to the appropriate offices for each section, mm-hmm. you know, something on Catholic education, right. something on uh, the ministry of the bishop, something on uh, social work, and s- the finances, of course, are very uh, mm-hmm. important to them. You send over the audits and so forth. So your presumption in traveling to Rome is that someone, it's usually a staffer, will read the section and then give a summary to the prefect or the head of the department, mm-hmm. what's called a dicastery. And then you go and meet with all of these various officials during the week. There's 16 meetings mm. in the course of wow. five days. There's a lot of meetings. And then when you're in that session, it's the bishops of the region. For us, we're region three. Mm-hmm. That's the bishops of New Jersey and Pennsylvania. All of Pennsylvania? Out to all of Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the five dioceses mm-hmm. there. and and the so five dioceses here. Mm. And then whoever accompanies them, if they have auxiliary bishops, mm-hmm. they also go. Uh, but the, the person who does the speaking for the most part is the residential bishop, the mm-hmm. diocesan bishop. Right. And then you there's some give and take with the prefect or with whoever is giving, leading the session at the department in the Vatican. Um, I got the real sense that... Uh, much of it was not read, or it did, they didn't communicate or give a sense that they they read it. Some did, 
others didn't seem to be too familiar with the situation, just judging by the way that they, the topics that they brought up, right. some of which were already addressed in the report. Right. So we talked. We, you know, each session was about an hour and 90 minutes, so it's long, and it made for a long day. Uh, we went through, I stayed at the uh, Doma Sancta Marta, the mm-hmm. home of the bishop, the resi- of, the, of the pope, mm-hmm. uh, and the Daughters of Charity, who were the sister community to the Vincentians, the community to which I belong and in which I was raised, uh, they are the uh, kind of the administrators of that residence. And it was very interesting to me because I've stayed there a number of times. You know, I've been to Rome a zillion times. Mm-hmm. But I've stayed there the last three visits to Rome. The first time I visited there and stayed at Sancta Marta uh, was shortly after Pope Francis became Pope right. and decided to live there himself. Mm-hmm. When I went in, went to check in and get my room key, I went to the elevator, it opened, and who's standing there but the Pope? <laughs> right. I mean, how, when does that ever happen, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. So he had. So it used to be the papal apartment, right? That where the Holy Fathers would reside in, in the, the Apostolic Palace. Yeah, okay. You know, you see pictures of the Pope at the window yes. on Sundays. That's the Apostolic Palace there, and that that. I know when I got my tickets for um, the general audience, the special tickets we had, I had to go through the bronze doors and up this big stairway. Yeah. yeah that, that that was is that the palace? Or that leads you into the palace. Okay. But I think just about every stairwell there leads into the palace okay. somewhere. Mm-hmm. We went around. We we were transported by a, by a small van mm-hmm. uh, to the door, and then the Swiss guards were there, and the gentlemen of His Holiness were there to guide us into the into the palace. So you you uh, you you make your visit, you make your reports, um, and each one was was interesting and distinctive. You know when the Staying at Sancta Marta made it easier for me because I could access St. Peter's Basilica through the back door. Mm-hmm. And bishops have a, you know, a, a lot more easy access than, than the general population, right. uh, even the clergy. So that, that was a great advantage to me because I could walk out the front door of Sancta Marta and over. Mm. But I was talking about Sancta Marta because people don't see inside because, you know, they ask you not to take photographs. Mm-hmm. I took a couple of the the uh, more public spaces in mm-hmm. uh, in the building, but in general, the point is to protect the privacy of the Holy Father. Mm-hmm. When I first went, as I was starting to say, I go off on tangents. You can imagine what kind of teacher I was. The kids could get me off on on anything. But uh, you know, you ran into the Pope all the time. Right. He'd, you'd be he'd be you know serving himself in the buffet line at mm-hmm. the meals. You'd see him. Uh, a table in the refectory there, in the uh, dining room there. Uh, you would see him walking around, talking to the staff. That was the first visit. That mm-hmm. would have been back in 2014, I think, mm-hmm. 2014. Now you never see him. Really? There's such such a security mm-hmm. provision. I mean, you, the guest, myself, mm-hmm. uh, you could walk around freely Monsignor Gervasio, the vicar general, the uh, my master of ceremonies, Father Carlo. I mean, we could walk around the building mm-hmm. generally. You couldn't go to the floor where the Pope lives, um, but you just never saw him. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was very interesting. I was standing outside waiting for my car to take me to an appointment there, 
uh, with with the vicar general and with Father Carlo. And the Pope's car backed up to the front door. It's a little blue Ford Focus. Right. <laughs> and uh, so we were there, and Bishop Saratelli was there with me from Patterson. And we said, oh, the Pope's, Pope's coming. And the head of the uh, security came up to us and said, would you mind going inside for a few minutes? Ooh. We couldn't even see the Pope wow. getting into the car. Wow. I was hoping he'd give me a ride because of my... <laughs> Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to walk across that. Uh, so this is new. Is it? It's, it's security it's within the. Just... And and one of the guards was telling me that the Pope is one of the uh, highest, most often threatened threatened yeah. person in the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, someone said he was number one. Really. For threats, so they have to be very careful there. Um. Because that's not his way, right? It's that's not, not his. Way. I think it's become his way. I yeah, think he's yeah. he's kind of given into that, yeah. just realized that, mm-hmm. you know, the reality of life as we know it right. today. Right, the reality, yeah. um, But he actually was away until Tuesday evening. Yeah, he was. So, uh, yeah, we got there Saturday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't around till Tuesday. But you could just feel once he, the, you knew he was in the house. You could mm-hmm. just feel, you'd see. The Pope is in the house. The Pope is in the house. And so uh, he's amazing to me. You know, he did this big trip to Thailand and right. to Japan. Mm-hmm. He comes back Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, he's up early, out for the audience. Mm. And I could see him from the office where I was having a a meeting. Mm -hmm. They had a huge window looking out on St. Peter's Square, and Mm -hmm. you could see the Pope. You could see the little white figure coming out on the stage, and they had big jumbotrons there. So you saw his face, and you could hear his uh, catechesis that he Mm -hmm. was giving Mm -hmm. and the cheering of the people. I just couldn't believe it that that uh, this guy is uh, is like the Energizer Bunny. You he's know. 80, 83, right? 80, yeah, eighty two. Eighty two. He, he's. Uh, I think this birthday is this this his, month. Yeah, his birthday is coming up, and yeah. his uh, his fiftieth anniversary as as a bishop. Oh, it is or as oh, a priest. priest okay. is, uh, mm-hmm. is December thirteenth. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once he was back in town, uh, things got were a little more uh, intense. We went on Monday, Monday of the, of the week, just to give the folks some listening, some sense of uh, the meeting. We went on Monday uh, to uh, Mass, first, first thing, at St. Mary Major, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. yeah. basilica, ancient basilica across town. And we had a beautiful Mass there. And... Actually, that's the place. I don't know whether uh, uh, our listeners are, uh, saw this little piece on the news about a piece of the manger. Mm-hmm. The Holy Father gave that back to uh, the Holy Land, to uh, the custody of the of the priests there. Well, in St. Mary Major is a shrine which contains a relic of the manger. Mm-hmm. And so we had a chance to go and pray at that uh shrine to celebrate a beautiful mass bishop zubik of pittsburgh was mm-hmm. the celebrant of the mass and that was the beginning of our the formal beginning of the week at mass at saint mary major mm-hmm. during the odd limit of visit you have to visit the major basilicas okay. you're required to uh, by the uh, procedure for the odd limit of visit so we start out with mass and then after mass i pretty much had a free day as i mentioned there's 16 16 uh, meetings that are scheduled 
but only a few of them are required for mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. And so the meetings on Monday were meetings that you could choose to attend if you if you wanted to. Um, I chose not to attend them. <laughs> and, oh, you're in Rome. Uh, yeah, did a, <laughs> little, a little free time there. That'd be great. Well, you know, it gave me a chance to spend some time in prayer. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, you can find a church everywhere in Rome. Anyone, no matter what street yeah. corner you go to. <laughs> There's something about St. Peter's, although it's yeah. huge. It's a yeah, mammoth yeah, church. Yeah. There's something very intimate about it. There is. I love the chapel of... The Blessed Sacrament. The Adoration Chapel, yeah. The Adoration Chapel. And no so, pictures, no photographies. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you when you're walking in, no photographs. Yeah, I took a picture. Did you? Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> they don't tell the bishop that. <laughs> well, that's right next to the tomb of John Paul. John Paul II. Yeah, which, is another which has become, you know, when there are public masses, the tomb of John Paul is, St. John Paul II is curtained off, and that's where the priests vest. The bishop's oh, really? Says, I mean, the bishop's oh, vest Oh, wow, there. okay. So you're vesting there with... Uh-huh. Uh, with uh, all the other bishops mm-hmm. and cardinals who are concelebrating oh, okay. with the Holy Father. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's beautiful. The, the tomb of uh, Pope St. John the Twenty Third. Mm-hmm. His body is incorrupt, buried there, and uh, so on. So we get a chance to walk around, and then the three of us, the three amigos from Trenton, went across town to Piazza Navona. Mm-hmm. We had a nice breakfast, mm-hmm. and it gave uh, it gave us a chance to kind of settle in. We were tired from the from the travel sure. over. Uh, and then came back to uh, uh, to Santa Marta. I met up with a, a good friend of mine, a classmate from the seminary, who is Bishop of Scranton, mm-hmm. Bishop Joseph Bambera, and two of his priests. And the six of us went for dinner that night at uh, over near the Pantheon. And it, it was great. It was a fantastic evening, great opportunity. The next day, Tuesday, we started off with Mass at St. John Lateran. Mm-hmm. And I overslept. Uh oh. <laughs> so, you know, it takes me a lot longer to get ready now sure. than it did before. Yeah. So, Father Carlo, I could hear him knocking at the door. <laughs> Bishop, Bishop. I said, What? He says, It's, you're late. <laughs> so I had to rush around, get up, and I didn't shave. I just quickly put on my, my clergy outfit yeah. and. Scooted off. I made it with two minutes to spare. Ah, (laughs) You can imagine me with his leg running across. Right, oh yeah, right. So I got in and and concelebrated the Mass. Bishop Saratelli Mm -hmm. uh, was the the celebrant of the Mass. We gave a beautiful homily. And our first visit, our first office visit was at the Congregation for Bishops. Mm -hmm. And that is the dicastery or the department that really sponsors uh, the trip. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, from the standpoint of telling you what you have to do, what you have to bring, what you have to prepare. And we met with Cardinal Mark Wallet, who is the, he's from Canada, actually. Mm-hmm. He's a, a Sulpician, belongs to the Sulpician order, but he's the prefect. He's the head of that organization. So it gave uh, us a chance to talk. One of the large uh, topics, in fact, it was brought up at every single meeting that week, was the uh, sexual abuse crisis, mm-hmm. sexual abuse of minors. Yeah by clergy and church personnel. And so that came up in conversation, along with a lot of other things. Then we went from there to the Congregation for Doctrine of the Faith and uh, met there with the prefect and the staff there and talked about all kinds of things going on in the church today, especially uh, some uh, presentation of teachings or a new take on some teachings that are going to be coming out of uh, the Holy See was a very interesting meeting. Mm-hmm. 
Cardinal Ladaria is the prefect, and he's a Jesuit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a few, I, I know some of the staff that are there. So in each meeting, we had an opportunity. We could ask questions or make comments, mm -hmm. uh, listen to what the, uh, what the prefect or the staff would say. When we finished, we broke for lunch, and, uh, and in the afternoon, we had some, some other opportunities to visit on Wednesday. Uh, again, the same thing uh, start, you know we, we didn't start with mass on Wednesday. Uh, we went first to the uh, congregation for divine worship. That, as you may know, is held by Cardinal Sarah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Archbishop Roach, Arthur Roach, who is an English-speaking, he's from England, mm -hmm. English-speaking, obviously. Uh, we had some conversations there, very interesting. We talked about the traditional Latin Mass, mm -hmm. which has grown certainly in popularity here in the Diocese of Trenton, but really throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, I asked the Cardinal about... Uh, the notion of celebrating Mass ad orientem. Mm -hmm. That seems to be also be growing in popularity. In fact, the Cardinal... Now explain to our listeners, ad orientem is facing the altar. Yeah, it's fa ad orientem in Latin, it means to the east. Mm -hmm. And so as Mass was celebrated, of course, for us, you know, in our, uh, in our advanced age, Jim, <laughs> uh, Mass was always celebrated facing uh, the cross, facing the tabernacle. Mm -hmm with the back to the people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with the Vatican Council, uh, the, uh, the direction was changed. And Cardinal Sarah had written something uh, a while ago, maybe a couple of years ago, I forget, in which he encouraged priests to celebrate Mass ad orientem, with the back to the people. And of course that created a, a stir all mm -hmm. over. And so the Cardinal explained what he meant and said that ad orientem in the minds of some, is back toward the people. He said, but the point is not your posture or your position. He said, the point is offering Mass, looking at the cross, with mm -hmm. the cross in your vision. Mm -hmm. And as some, uh, I think Pope Benedict began this by putting the cross on the altar at St. Peter's, uh, so that as he celebrated with facing the people, the mm -hmm. cross was in front of him. Right. Uh, so too, a lot of parishes are doing the same thing. I notice it traveling around the diocese. Mm -hmm. You know, I've noticed in almost every church, uh, there's a small cross in mm -hmm. front of you. Mm -hmm. And Cardinal Sarah said, you know, the idea here, the most important thing is that you're, you're lifting up the congregation to Christ on the cross, our Savior. Mm -hmm. And so whether you have your back to the people or whether you're facing the people, that's the important point. Um, and I thought it was an interesting, sure. an interesting point of view. Archbishop Roach, the secretary for the congregation, was pretty pretty strong in emphasizing the importance of conciliar law. And I'm not sure exactly what prompted his emphasis on that, but he, he made it clear. He says, you know, there's no higher law in the church, higher human law in the mm -hmm. church, than conciliar law mm -hmm. that made in Vatican Council. And so I think he was, he was stressing or trying to put out there for us, you know, Pay attention to the reforms of the council, even the reforms of the liturgy, because mm -hmm. that's the purview of that office. Right. So again, back and forth, some give and take there, and it was uh, it was very, very uh, a very good opportunity. We also had the opportunity to to uh, visit the congregation for the clergy. This was the best visit. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, they were the they were the most hospitable. Uh, 
everyone was provided with water. They had coffee. They had uh, pastries there. Mm-hmm. The prefect, uh, Cardinal Stella, was just the most gracious, joyful uh, person. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had lots of conversations about the current crisis mm-hmm. and and a lot of other things there that were that were great opportunities. The mm-hmm. afternoon we went to the Church of St. Paul outside the walls mm-hmm. where the, the the remains of St. Paul are buried there. Have you been there? Oh, you? sure. It's a, it's a beautiful... Been to the mall. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful church. Yeah, yeah. And Cardinal Harvey, who was the uh, archpriest there, did a great job in, in really brightening it up and making it very attractive, mm-hmm. especially the sacristy everywhere, yeah. the priest and minister's vest. Archbishop Chapu of Philadelphia... Uh, celebrated the mass, gave a nice mm-hmm. talk, and we we had an opportunity really to enjoy that uh, as well. Thursday's Thanksgiving, and of course the Romans don't celebrate Thanksgiving, <laughs> but I was very impressed how attentive they were to the fact that this is a great day for the Americans. Right. Thursday was special because that was the day we met with the Holy Father. Okay. And uh, we were transported over to the Apostolic Palace. There was mm-hmm. a bit of a delay because he was visiting with the president, I think, of Estonia and Latvia mm-hmm. and some other dignitary uh, before seeing us. So we were about 40 minutes in waiting. But if you have to wait anywhere, to wait in the Apostolic Palace is a good place. <laughs> That's right. And I was, I was mentioning <clears throat> to Father Carlo, as we walked through the different salons that are there, the rooms that are there, mm-hmm. the paintings, I said, look at these paintings. You've seen them before, haven't you? He says, yeah. I said, they're the originals. Right. <laughs> Titian, El yeah. Greco, yeah. Caravaggio, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful paintings that were there. So so the uh, the Monsignor came in and told us it's time to, to meet with the Holy Father. So we all went. And this time we were allowed to bring our companions. Oh, you were. So I had, of course, Monsignor and Father Carlo, neither of who have met Pope Francis. Mm-hmm. I've, I've met him before a couple of times. But they didn't. So they were they were really super excited. I'm I was sure. too. You know, I'm anytime sure. you meet the Pope. Right. So, Right. Great occasion. Right. And then we have a priest studying in Rome, mm-hmm. studying canon law, Father Dan Pirano. And so I invited him to come along. And so we had the opportunity to go in. We were in line. You could see the white skull cap ahead of you. Mm-hmm. As, uh, uh, it came our, our turn. And I introduced Monsignor Gervasio and then Father Carlo and Father Dan Pirano to the Holy Father. And it was just thrilling. Mm-hmm. It was thrilling for me to see them have the opportunity to see the Pope. Sure. And of course, the, the the photographers right there took nice pictures of right. everybody. Right. And so and then we moved into our meeting with the Holy Father. We spent two and a half hours wow. with the Holy Father. Mm. It was unbelievable. That's great. And he started off the meeting by saying, uh, I'm not going to give you an address. He says, you've heard enough talks. He said, we're brothers, and I want to use this opportunity to listen to you to answer any question you have mm-hmm. about anything. Mm-hmm. He said, don't hold back wow. if you have a question. Now, was he speaking English? No. 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 He had a translator there, mm-hmm. uh, an Irish Monsignor, young Irish Monsignor was there with him. So the Holy Father had a brogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, four-leaf clover. Uh, he spoke in Italian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, of course, I, I've had enough exposure to the Italian language. I could understand a lot of what he said, but the translator was doing a wonderful right, right. job of of translating the Holy Father. And he said, this was funny, he said, uh, and you can even criticize me. He said, in here. 
<laughs> he said, outside, it's a sin. <laughs> so we all laughed and then got right into it, you yeah, know, and yeah, yeah. I was one of the first to, uh, Cardinal Tobin mm-hmm. uh, led us off with a little uh, kind of a general overview for the Holy Father about the region. Mm-hmm. And then we could each ask questions. My classmate asked a question. I asked a question. And um, and it, it was amazing. Were they prepared? They should be have questions prepared. No, or just, it was just, just a question. Conversation. No, you know, I had I had some things on my mind, and uh, some things maybe a little bit controversial, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see what the Holy Father's take mm-hmm. on it was because you hear so many things, yeah. and the Holy Father said this. He says, you know, you hear that I've said many things, and many of them I've never said. Yeah. He said, but you know, it, he talked a little bit about the media, but he did say to us, he says, I'm speaking to you as a brother bishop. I would like you not to repeat what I say. Mm. So we had the opportunity really to talk very, very mm-hmm. intimately right, about a lot right, of things. Right. But I'll tell you, I, I left there with such an overwhelming sense of his love and care mm-hmm. for the church, yeah. for us as leaders in the church. Uh, and he's very much aware, very much aware of the American situation. That was quite clear. Mm-hmm. But you can't help but love the guy. Yeah. You know, you, you, you just had such a feeling of affection for him, warm feeling of affection and the Holy Father knows that there are some things that he said and that he's done that has have caused questions or given mm-hmm. rise to questions. Right. And he addressed some of those things with us, and mm-hmm. I think he addressed them very well. You know, as I walked away, left the Apostolic Pass, I felt a certain sadness because I know that there's a lot of people, even some people who listen to us, mm-hmm. who uh, really have strong negative feelings about Oh, I know. Father. I hear that. I hear from you, them. I'm sure, sure you do. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Uh, I just had some great sense, you know, this is the man that, for whatever reason, in God's wisdom, Mm. the Holy Spirit has directed to be the Pope of our church. And we have to love him, we have to respect him, we have to obey him uh, in those matters of faith and morals that he presents, because he is. He's the chief teacher, he's the Mm -hmm. chief legislator, he's Mm -hmm. the chief liturgist. Um, And I think I have just a very good, clear sense of his own personal goodness and holiness. So I left with that sense. Mm-hmm. You also have an overwhelming sense of the universality of the church. Yes. yes. And that the bond you have as a bishop, as a successor to the apostles, with the successor of St. Peter. That's right. And so it was, in a beautiful, it was a beautiful occasion. Two and a half hours. You know, yeah. Bishop, I just want to interject there. You mentioned that because, um, you know, we were at the conclave mass. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. When the Holy Father was before, the day before he was elected. And we were sitting right behind the cardinals. Actually, we got we were the first ones right behind the cardinals. Did you Did you cast a vote? <laughs> you put on a I red wore hat. red, but they wouldn't you let me had, in. You put on a red hat and cast a vote. <laughs> they closed the door. They wouldn't even get out. You can't come in here. But um, I've I've never ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as I did at that mass. There was something amazing. overwhelming in that in that you basilica. Have you get a sense of it. That's it true. was and I you knew something special and something divine was happening. Something yeah. so whenever I hear people talk negatively about this particular holy father, I think to myself, I know that this is the man God wants here because yeah. I felt that presence. Yeah. We diff- have to be careful all of us, you know. Mm. Don't just take something from the newspaper, secular newspaper, or even some of these religious papers, some of the blogs, which yeah, are vicious. I know, I know. Um, you know, I always say, go to the text, mm-hmm. read the text, right. and then try to find some good commentary on the text from somebody that can be trusted, somebody who doesn't have an agenda, a destructive right. agenda of the church. Because the danger there, Bishop, is that 
if if the people take that type of attitude toward the Holy Father, they 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 ignore everything else he says. Yeah. They don't like he just had this beautiful apostolic letter on the nativity. I scenes. know it's not beautiful. Beautiful and teaching and how where they came from and the traditions. People are going to miss it because well, I'm not going to read what he said. Yeah. But you have to you have to read you these documents. Read sure. And certainly, uh, I would always encourage our clergy, who are the teachers in their parishes, to make sure that they understand and they know that they keep up to date on what comes out of them. Mm-hmm. I tried to as bishop, you know, as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm get something out on our own media and uh, publications in the mm-hmm. diocese because uh, I, I, I read these things very early in the morning that they're published mm-hmm. so that I have something to say about mm-hmm. it right. and can give some guidance or direction to people. But it is it is so very important for us to understand because we are a universal church. Right. It's not just a church of Philadelphia or Trenton or New York. You know, it's, it's a church in communion. Mm-hmm with the Holy Father and with the church throughout the world. So while we were all having our turkey dinner, you were there with the Vicar of Christ. I was there with him. I wanted to bring him a drumstick, but they wouldn't let security, wouldn't let me in with And afterwards, when I had a nice lunch at really one of my favorite places there, all I did that day, I think, was eat. And once once the meeting with the Pope was done, so a very lengthy lunch, and then got in a cab and went up to North American College to the mm. American Seminary there. And they had Thanksgiving mm, dinner mm-hmm. with all of the seminarians yeah. cooking and waiting on table. And it was really great. And we sat by regions mm-hmm. uh, in there. There was a table for New Jersey, which was a big table, a lot of seminarians and priests who are working in mm-hmm. Rome. And then there was a big table for New York and Philadelphia and Pennsylvania and so on and so forth. So it was nice. The seminarians did a little bit of entertainment. Uh, the ambassador to the Vatican, uh, Mrs. Gingrich, was there, and Newt Gingrich was there mm-hmm. in, the, in the crowd. I didn't get a chance to talk to them. Uh, but it was nice. We had a mass before mm-hmm. the dinner. Mm-hmm. And Bishop Cecchio of Metuchen was the celebrant of the mass. He mm-hmm. used to be the rector there, the, right. the head of the seminary. And uh, it, was, it was just a nice opportunity mm-hmm. to celebrate this great American, even the Pope said that, this is a great American day. I'm so sorry to inconvenience you, <laughs> but I'm happier with me. Happy Thanksgiving. It was a really, really very nice. Very nice. So our, 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 uh, our trip was winding down. Friday, we had uh, uh, an opportunity to, the highlight of the week really, is to celebrate Mass at the tomb of St. Peter. Mm-hmm. And all the bishops gathered there. Cardinal Tobin was the main celebrant of that Mass and gave a beautiful homily. We all had the chance to pray, to recite the creed together. Singing, actually, we sang the credo mm-hmm. together, and then individually, we all we could all go to the tomb of Saint Peter mm-hmm. and pray. Mm-hmm. And you know, throughout the week, at different points, I was praying for different intentions in the diocese. People would ask me for special sure. intention, as well as different organizations or schools and so on. And I went to uh, to the tomb and I prayed for our diocese, for all our priests, mm-hmm. especially those who may be struggling, for the deacons, wonderful deacons that we have, mm-hmm. for the religious that we have. Uh, our seminarians and all of the lay faithful, mm-hmm. and they were my intention. Then I walked a few steps over to the tomb of Pope St. Paul VI, who was a great favorite of mine, mm-hmm. and had an opportunity to pray there and ask his intercession to help me to be a, a better bishop of, and keep me, keep me strong in my faith mm-hmm. and in my teaching. In the afternoon, uh, after the Mass, not in the afternoon, or later in the morning, we went to the Congregation for Catholic Education, and that was, I, I was the presenter there, what they call the capo. So I made the presentation about Catholic education in our region, 
and then the the prefect wasn't there, and the sub prefect wasn't there. So it was a priest staffer mm. who who represented the congregation at that point. I must tell you, I was a little disappointed. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, he, his suggestions didn't. They were not practical suggestions mm-hmm. for the U.S. He just didn't have, seemed didn't didn't seem to have a really clear sense of things. And I mentioned to him, I said, you know, for me, I said, you know, when I came here, there was a lot of a lot of buzz about the education bishop because of my background. And I said, nothing has hurt me as much as having to close schools. Mm-hmm. And I explained to him about the situation here, the financial situation, the fact that enrollments are just declining steadily. Right. Um, he seemed to be a, a little bit aware of that, and he he made some suggestions that just, yeah, I just didn't think they made a whole mm-hmm. lot of sense. They certainly weren't weren't things that we could do, or they weren't things that we haven't thought of and tried already. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we had the meeting, and uh, uh, was he Italian? No, he was Austrian. Austrian. Okay. He's an Austrian. Are fellow. the European churches, uh, school, Catholic schools? Run the same way they run your. Pr- They're funded by the state. Yes, yeah, that's the difference. See, and that's the difference, yeah. and that's what that's what you ca- kind of can't get through to people. Then we went to the the Secretary of State, met with Cardinal Perelin, and again, this was a, a a meeting that we were asked to keep in confidence. But I must tell you, we asked some pretty strong questions of mm-hmm. him uh, about the church, and again, he he brought up the uh, sexual abuse situation mm-hmm. and wanted to get our take on that. So that was that was the uh, meeting. That was the week's meeting. Mm-hmm. came to an end. Uh, you all probably feel like you <laughs> you were there with me. I'm going into such <laughs> Well, detail. that's good to know, though. I mean, this is our church. This is how, you know, it works. This is this is what's done, and people yeah. need to hear these things and understand Yeah, you hear you hear Directly from someone who was participating, not reading it from somewhere else. And, exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. And I, I think I've given pretty faithful rendering of what happened. Well... Unity and communion, those are the themes I think I brought back home with me. Uh, Moving to other things, yesterday I buried Monsignor Philip Lowry, the 29-year pastor of the church in Red Bank, with full, he's the New Jersey State Chaplain for the State, New Jersey Chaplain for the State Police. Mm -hmm. And so we had a beautiful, beautiful, packed funeral, great tribute to a great man. I was honored to be able to be there. Then came home and installed the lectors and acolytes for the permanent diaconate over at St. Anne in Lawrenceville. Had a beautiful, beautiful mass. And on Saturday, on the seventh, we are anticipating uh, anticipating is the right word to liturgically and otherwise the feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. So I'll have the noon mass over the cathedral. And you know we've had the torches going through right. the diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Mexican custom, and so it's always a beautiful mass. And we'll have. Uh, it's not just for. Hispanics or Latinos, this is mass for everyone because Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas, mm-hmm. all the Americas. This is at the cathedral in This will be at the cathedral in Trenton. Mm-hmm. And they come and they're in their native costumes and they're mm-hmm. singing and dancing. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful celebration. And I have the mass and uh, I'll, I'll preach there. Um, as you know, you know, Juan Diego, the story of the, the widower mm-hmm. walking off to mass. In 1531, it was, and he uh, he uh, had an, uh, four four appearances or four visions of our Blessed Mother in Tepeyac near the foot of the hill there, and uh, you know the end of the story. Fast forward to the end, the bishop, of course, has wanted proof. Mm-hmm. You got to prove to me that these apparitions are real, and he came with a his cloak, his tilma, it's called. Right. It's made of like uh, uh, plants. 
so it's not made to last for a long time. I came and he and he brought all these roses. Now this is in December. Mm-hmm. Brought all these roses to the bishop and laid them at his feet. And when he when he when he poured them out of his tilma out of his coat, there was the famous image of the Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. which we see Our Lady of Guadalupe on the uh, on the on the tilma. Now last year at this time I was in Guadalupe right, right. with a pilgrimage with our diocesan number of our diocesan priests and, and lay folks and uh, we actually saw the Tillman. Mm-hmm. Now this is 1531, 2019, and this it's plant material it should have been gone a long it time have been ago. Right? Gone a long time ago, but it's there in a beautiful frame, right. and so we had the chance to do it. And the point of this is the Blessed Mother reaches out mm-hmm. to us in love. It doesn't matter who we are, where we're from. She her appearance. She was dressed in the Aztec. Indian costume, mm-hmm. young woman that way. And uh, so we celebrate that. Feast day is coming up December 12th. Here we are in the middle of Advent already, the four weeks before Christmas in which we uh, anticipate Christ's arrival coming in. I know whether your sisters taught you this and you're growing up in the schools, but Jesus coming in history, mystery, and majesty, mm-hmm. those three comings sure. of the Lord. We prepare. This is a great time. A lot of parishes have penance services. Mm-hmm. Great time to uh, to go to confession to yeah. prepare for the coming of Christ. It's a penitential season. Uh, people forget that. People do forget it because in, outside of the church, there's so much the lights and the glitter and the glow. But it is a penitential season, and it says it in the prayers of Advent. Of course, the third Sunday is Gaudete, Rejoicing Sunday, and that's mm-hmm. a break. You know, the priests dress in purple and uh, until that Sunday, then they wear the rose vestment, just celebration, reminder that there is joy mm-hmm. in the midst of penance. No glory at mass. No glory at mass. And, uh, you know, the prominent figures as you're listening to readings, Isaiah, mm-hmm. uh, John the Baptist, and of course, the Blessed Mother. It's a beautiful, beautiful season. You know, don't don't miss it. Right. You know, enjoy, enjoy, you know, Christ has come. So, I mean, we can celebrate in all kinds of ways. Right. You put up your tree, you put up your lights. I have my tree up in my house. I put it up when I got back from Mm -hmm. Rome. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're playing Christmas music here every now and then. Don't forget Mm -hmm. the the reason for the season. Right. Don't let that slip by. Feast of the Immaculate Conception is coming. And this year, because it occurs on a Sunday of Advent, uh, it has been transferred to Monday. Mm -hmm. But the uh, Holy Day of Obligation part of it doesn't transfer. Yeah. So Sunday, Advent always trumps any feast day, right. and it trumps this particular feast day. So that's why the church transferred it. But it's not a it's not a, a day of obligation this year. However, the Blessed Mother is the Immaculate Conception is the patroness of the United States. Right. So it's a good day for us to uh, to celebrate the fact that uh, the Immaculate Conception and what that means. It's not. It does not mean. It's not a reference to the fact that Jesus was conceived, how it, that, that the Blessed Mother herself was conceived without original sin. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's one of the infallibly defined dogmas of the church. It goes right. back to the 1950. Uh, Fulton J. Sheen, uh, I have to mention I, this I, because, you know, our, our studio here right. center is named after Fulton Sheen. Right, exactly. And we were all excited with the thought of his, with the announcement that he would be beatified. Yeah, later this month. Later this month, mm-hmm. December, I think, 20th or 20th, 21st. Yeah. 21st. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, you know, we had that lengthy controversy with the Archdiocese in New York because mm-hmm. Fulton Sheen asked to be buried in New York, but his family and others wanted him to be 
returned to Peoria, where, right. which was his home diocese. Um, it was a, it was a lengthy legal battle. I thought kind of unseemly, actually. Yeah. Uh, and and Peoria appeals and right back oh, and forth, back yeah. and forth mm-hmm. to Rome. Yep. And you know the the question was raised: Is that why it's taking so long for the for the canonization process to move forward? Uh, so the decision was made by the Congregation for the Causes of the Saints. And everybody was so filled with joy that mm-hmm. finally Sheen, Bishop Sheen is going right. to be beatified. Yep. And then out of the blue, last week we got the announcement that it's going to be postponed right. because of some concerns raised. The, the, the wording of the statement was by a few bishops in the United States Bishops Conference. Well, I must tell you, as a bishop... And as someone who had met Bishop Sheen right. and had some great uh, love and devotion to the guy, to the man, uh, I just said to myself, where were these bishops during all these years of the process? I thought that was all old news and that already had been investigated yeah, and that I was thought, taken care well, of. Well, that's, the, that's what they said. They're yeah. concerned because, um, you know, the New York State is going to produce their uh, grand jury report right. or something like that, like what happened. Because it was the Rochester Diocese, I think, that was the... was the. Well, he was Bishop of Rochester, yeah. you know, for a short period yeah. of time, I mm-hmm. think, uh, for three years. Mm-hmm. But that they worried, or the, 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 the concern was raised that when this report comes out, there might be cases of abuse, not by Sheen. Right. Nothing by Sheen. And they were very clear in the statement that he's never been accused of Right. It, but that there might be some cases over which he, uh, that he was involved in making decisions while he was the bishop. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, I mean, it is what it is. There's n- there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it will be back on track at some point. We've got to keep praying. I mean, there was a miracle attributed oh, that's still born. Uh, an incredible really f- miracle. Beautiful. <laughs> we, we had the mother on our program a few weeks ago. Did you? Yeah. Uh, it's amazing, Yeah, isn't it? 61 minutes that child oh, has, was, was still born. But, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing for us to to handle. However, we have to... Uh, as Bishop Jenke, the Bishop of Peoria, said, we just have to wait and be patient. That's and, right. And well, we were we were hoping before they made the announcement that the beatification was going to be December twenty first. We were hoping that when they did announce it, we could have run a little pilgrimage out there and take yeah. some. We thought it's too soon. We well, can't people, do it, but now people, maybe we can. People, you know, it's a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. We're scheduled, right. and so people made plane arrangements right. and all of that right. stuff. Yeah. But I, I must say, I did. I did initially feel, you know. Why is these obje- why are these objections being raised now? You had all this time, right? Sure. If you had concern, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I uh, uh, greater minds than mine, I guess, are at work here. I don't know, <laughs> but I, I certainly think this great man, yeah. priest, scholar, philosopher, teacher, evangelist, mm-hmm. you know, TV celebrity, all the things, bishop, mm-hmm. head of the propagation of the faith. I mean, the guy, the the man, has so much in his uh, in his life. Yeah. His devotion to the Eucharist, the holy hours that he mm-hmm. made every day, to the priesthood, and just encouraged a, yeah. encouraged others to do this. Um, he was a professor, you know, at Catholic University yeah. where I was president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not while I was president, right. but for right. about twenty five years. Yeah. And I had the great privilege of uh, preaching in in the, the three last words, you know, on Good mm-hmm. Friday, right. uh, on the twenty fifth anniversary of his last preaching. Oh wow! Okay. Of that, you mm-hmm. know, it was a, it was a great thing, but. Well, we're coming up, I think Monday, the 9th, will be the 40th anniversary of his death. He, yeah. he died in 1979. Yeah, 79. On the 9th, yeah. Yeah, 79. It's amazing. You know, a canonization process, it is a process. You know, you have to have a life of heroic virtue. It's not just any Joe Schmo, you know, that somebody says, oh, well, he was a saint. So right. they, they have to have a demonstrated life of heroic virtue. Mm-hmm. It always begins in the diocese with the bishop. 
uh, where the person lived and, and did his ministry or her ministry, his or her. It's a this apply, process is the same for for any male mm-hmm. or any female, whether they're religious or priests or lay people. Uh, the bishop gathers the information and presents it to the bishop's conference. We've done this several times in the last few years, where uh, great holy people have been presented to us with mm-hmm. the, for the approval so that they can move forward, send all the material to the Congregation for Causes of Saints, a postulator is named, someone who's in charge of the process. Uh, in years past, there used to be also a devil's advocate who would argue against. And that was the official title of the, right? The devil, we hear the term the like a cliche, advocate. but yeah. a devil's advocate. Devil's would... advocate. But that, that position was eliminated mm-hmm. by Pope Francis, so the, the devil's advocate doesn't have a role there, although... I'm sure some people, uh, you know, try to try to see, you know, examine all mm-hmm, these the mm-hmm, data. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of research done when when there is some decision that the person is has lived a life of heroic virtue, they're declared venerable servant of God as Bishop Sheen was, uh, and then uh, the prayers for a miracle. A miracle occurs. They move to the beatification. Another miracle canonization mm-hmm. of saints. So that's the process that's generally followed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame. We just hope yeah. that, uh, that uh, things work out and pray for that. You know, speaking of these this, these uh, these uh, situations, you know, I, I'm not one for getting too involved in politics, so although every once in a while something comes before the legislature that I have to speak to. Mm-hmm. They're, the New Jersey legislature, you know, trying to kind of create in New Jersey kind of an Affordable Care Act, a version of the Affordable Care Act for mm-hmm. ourselves. Our legislators have determined that they, they, they have proposed for legislative approval uh, a, a mechanism that insurance would require coverage of contraceptives, abortifacients, mm-hmm. and other uh, procedures that are directly contrary to our Catholic mm-hmm. belief. This is a problem for our diocese, for our parishes, for organizations, uh, and they want to eliminate what has been law in New Jersey. This has been the law, mm-hmm. that there was a religious employer's exemption for this type of coverage, but they're trying to eliminate that mm-hmm. here in New Jersey. So I call on all the clergy and faithful of our diocese to contact your state senators to vote on this measure, s three eight zero four. A5508. I encourage you to link, uh, so listen up, the link to this, njcatholic.org. 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 And there's a, there's a, a form there that you can use to, you have, it identifies mm-hmm. for you, your senator, right. and, and that you can email. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wrote to everybody yesterday mm-hmm. hoping that we can preserve this religious exemption because the, the, the consequences of this are, are bad mm-hmm. for us. So go to njcatholic.org with, for all yep, the information and, and contact. For all the information. Of course, a lot, a lot of uh, talk about the statute of limitations, the elimination mm-hmm. on December 1st, mm-hmm. uh, changes in the law. You know, there was a statute of limitations, any any um, criminal activity, uh, the sexual abuse that occurred before 1996, you couldn't prosecute. After 1996, you could uh, most of the cases here in the Diocese of Trenton, of course, occurred before mm-hmm. 1996. Well, now that statute is eliminated, and anybody can from Go any back time as period far as they want in any time period when they uh, were abused or they feel they were abused right. that they can file a civil complaint 
Um, and it, it used to be the, the age limit, I think, was 20. Now it's 55. Mm. Or within seven years of the time when you've, you felt that you were harmed. Mm. And so this is going to have a, a pretty dire effect on us. We've been, we've been reaching out so 55 to, for the victim? The victim. victim yeah, yeah. 55 for the victim. Um, and you can read about this. You just Google New Jersey statute of limitations, mm-hmm. get the details of that. But that went into effect December 1. Mm-hmm. Diocese, especially Diocese Trent, we created an independent victims compensation fund so that victims who are seeking healing and seeking justice uh, could have uh, their claims addressed immediately mm-hmm. without the need for lawyers and all this. Of course, you know that upset lawyers. Right. And so there's been a major campaign to try to get people not to do that, to wait to December 1st yeah. and then to sue or to file suit. Yeah. And uh, there's a big push there. The Victims Compensation Fund that the diocese has created uh, ends December 31st. Mm-hmm. So we're anticipating that there'll be a flush of, of lawsuits now and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So it's mm-hmm. going to be very, very hard, uh, you know, and there are a lot of hateful bloggers and websites. If you read the comments in the newspapers, I mean, right. it makes you sick seeing yeah. what some people write there. Right. Um, but I can tell our listeners, you know, as the bishop, that we've been trying our best to reach out, to offer healing and justice to victims, to remove errant clergy, mm-hmm. predators, abusers from the ranks of ministry, and not just clergy, but anyone who's employed by the church, mm-hmm. and really to put in place those measures that protect and prevent this from happening to our children in the future. Mm-hmm. And I can just say, you know, we're really working very hard and doing our best. The bloggers and the websites, of course, they don't believe anything, and they try to convince people not to believe the church, right. and there's not a lot we can do. You know, you see these campaigns, don't give a dime, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know like in our diocese, our Faith to Move Mountains, our capital campaign, our annual appeal, none of that money goes for the, right. for this, this right. situation. We have insurance to provide for it, right. but now with the statute of limitations, we're going to have to look at some very, very serious uh, uh, situations in the diocese, yeah. like many dioceses, the sale of property and, mm-hmm. and all of those things. So, you know, my point, we reach out to the victims, we offer them healing, we want them to come forward, we want to be able to address them uh, and address their situations. Um, you know, I've been called on the websites liar, dirty, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just I just don't understand this kind of viciousness of people. Right. You know, trying to do the best we can. That's right. People make mistakes, as we saw the Bishop of Buffalo. There were some mistakes made right. there, and it cost him his his position as bishop. You know, and it's very mm-hmm. very difficult. Let's end on a positive note, though. All right. Called by name program. We did it in the parishes. Yes. We had about a third of our parishes in the diocese uh, participating or reporting. Now we got about 142 names of. Potential vocations. 142. Yeah. So, uh, okay. that's just, so far, it's just a third of it. So, uh, you know, I thank Father Jason and all the pastors in the parishes for for doing that because the it, it makes me feel that the future looks bright yes. for vocations. Absolutely. And, uh, so it's a great point. Call by name. You designate, if you saw someone in your parish that talked, yeah, you know that guy could be a good priest. They just wrote the name and send it in, right. and, and we'll do the, do the follow-up there. Christmas is coming. Wish everybody a happy Christmas. I certainly I want you to know you're you're all the whole diocese. Everybody here is in my are in my thoughts and prayers in this 
beautiful season. I'm so happy to be able to be part of the radio broadcast. And as you're looking for charities to support at this time of year, don't forget Domestic (laughs) Church Media. We need your help. Thank you, Bishop. I appreciate that. And Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for all your help. Thanks. Merry Christmas. See you next year. Yep. (laughs) 